Welcome in for those of you just joining us because uh, we just started. So you could have only just joined us. Um, this is the fourth string podcast. I'm CJ Sweat joined by Benjamin King. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, ben King's Twitter is up here on the video. Mine is at Sweet Sweat CJ. Um, so for the three of you watching, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. And uh, if you listen to us, um, after the fact, make sure you follow us there as well. Um, ben, doing good? Oh, man. I uh, had lunch at Anchor Bar, yeah. which is uh, the original Buffalo Wing. And it is, is also it? the destination of the Bills Mafia on Sundays. So uh, it was sense. wild. Buffalo, Buffalo Wings. It makes sense. There you go. Yeah. Um well, sweet. Uh, but last I checked, Bills were up. Like I've got red zone on up here. I won't be watching it while we're doing this. But uh, thirty to three. Time, yeah, they were they were crushing them. Man, Gabe uh, Davis has me thirty points right now. Oh, I'm nice. playing Josh Allen today. Nice. So it was a uh, it was a love hate thing being there, but yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, talk about that Bama Texas A&M game a little bit, and then we're gonna dive into our top ten. You know, my thought watching that Ben, I didn't think anything less of Alabama. I watched that game and I thought, of course, Texas A&M was making this close. Like A&M is kind of what I thought USC was going to be at the start of the year. There's no question they have talent. Like they've got talent all across that roster. Where I question A&M is the cohesiveness of that talent. And can you get that from a week to week consistency, which they haven't been able to. And so, you know, they play a team like App State and they play them at home and you can't get anybody focused and mentally in that game. But then they play Alabama on the road and it's like those guys are playing as good of a game as they're ever going to play. And so that what we saw yesterday, I think, was Texas A&M at their best. And it's great. I think the criticism for Jimbo Fisher to this year has been we only get that once in a you know blue moon. Like that is not a yep. consistent thing. Um, and I don't think that is going to change. You can recruit talent, um, but it all depends on is the talent you're bringing in a right fit. You know, nobody talks about the players that that really talented players Nick Saban says no to. But that's part of why he's built such a successful team. It's not just he brings in talented players. And that, to me, is the misconception. Yeah, completely agree. It's all about development within a system as well. And then right. it's coaching, you know, game time decisions. And with Jimbo Fisher, not the best coaching decisions being made at all. Times. No, not at all. And, I mean, one of the Alabama defenders said, yeah, well, Jimbo kind of gave away the last play of the game based on what he was doing on the sideline. So if your opposing defenders can look at you as the head coach and see what you're going to do based on who you're pointing at, probably want to not do that. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, if you go down to, you know, where they kicked that field goal and, you know, they had that fourth and like super long or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, they should have never been in that position. Like it should have been, in my opinion, it, it should have been a really easy go for it on fourth down. You got to have a play in your back pocket to get it, but you yep. get hit with two false starts. Now it's like fourth and 21 or whatever it ended up being. <laughs> and I think that shows the lack of discipline with that team. Like Nick Saban, you know, has lost games before. 
but there's one ways he never ever loses a game and it's through mental mistakes like that he'll lose a game like the kick six which it's just like this ridiculous play like honest to god how do you prepare for that you know and you can run through like well maybe you shouldn't have kicked it whatever but there's not really a way to prepare for that yesterday was all about situational football and one team looked really prepared one team didn't look prepared whatsoever and that's why alabama ended up winning that game um all right another thing we gotta talk about too is it time to go ahead and fire brent venables like is it time to just go (laughs) ahead and admit this thing's not worked and i realized three weeks ago they were in both of our top tens we're thinking this is a great football team and it's, it's crazy to think three weeks later, is it just a massive overreaction? But like you can lose games. You can't lose 49 to nothing. The most historic loss in the Red River showdown. Is that what it is now? Rivalry. But, but they said, I I can't. The Red River game. Yeah, I'm not even yeah. going to. I don't care what their terminology is because every single place is a little bit different. It's like how you can't say the Super Bowl. Unless you're paying yes, the Super Bowl royalties, so it's it's now the Red River game between <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma, and for Oklahoma to get beat by the highest point margin ever and shut out yeah. by a while having a defensive coach is beyond embarrassing. It's no, it laughable. is. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, think about this. I mean, this is a second straight game. They've allowed over 45 points. Like, it, it, and again, Oklahoma, and you can say, okay, past few years, they've not been a great defensive team, and that's true, but it's still four and five star defensive players. They were a good defensive team last year, and they didn't have any defensive players transfer out. And Venables is a defensive coach. Like, it just, and, and I think sometimes, you know, these coordinators get hired. And we look at a Kirby Smart, we think, oh, hiring a really talented coordinator is a good idea. Like, really, only about 20 to 25% of these coordinators ever actually work. Like, the best hires are going to be play, are going to be guys that are currently coaching a smaller team looking to kind of take that next step. And so, anyways, Venables, to me, it's just become completely evident. He is a coordinator. He is not a coach. And so, if you're a big-time program about to go into the SEC – if you know that now, how long do you just let that simmer? You know, because I, I think if they let this simmer too long, it could be devastating to that program, considering the hornet's nest they're about to go into. I mean, they needed a splash hire, and they went with Brett Venables. So, and he has, I mean, this is his first year, his first six games. He has a massive contract. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what they do. It's a tough. It's yeah. a tough situation to be in, because yeah. if you admit, if you admit that you're an idiot after you know six months, then you deserve to have your job taken away as well. No, I don't. I don't agree with that because I think, you know, the hallmark of somebody who's really successful is understanding when they made a mistake and pivoting really quick. I think once you know you made a mistake, you don't hang on in hopes, you know, just to try and save face. I think that's wrong. Like, I don't mind somebody whiffing. Like, if an athletic director or, you know, in the NFL, a GM hires the wrong coach or whatever, that's fine. 
But once you've identified this ain't it, you make that decision as quickly as you can to go ahead and move on. Like you don't keep them around. Like I don't understand Auburn today. Why is Harson still there? And you can talk <laughs> to me about buyouts and you can talk to me about all this other stuff. And I get it. But at some point you have to consider what's the cost of him staying there and we continue to suck. Like, cause there's yeah. a cost with that too, you know, now it's not as easy as it's not as easy to identify is we know the cost if we fire them, we know what that number is on that check, right? So it's a little bit, you know, less substantial or, or a little bit, I guess, less easy to identify. But at the same time, like there is a cost to that too. Um, all right, let's dive into our top 10. Um, I'm going to lead us off and get this plugged in. So my number 10 team is Oklahoma State. Um, I think they're really good. I do think they're limited, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's becoming really clear they are missing the coordinator they lost. And I'm blanking on his name. Is that Ohio State now? I know that it used to be a dude. Just blanking on his name right now. Um, so it's clear they're missing him. And this game against Texas Tech yesterday, it was not pretty at all. But I do, again, I will give an exception when you play a mediocre team and you have a game like that, as long as I can see you're managing the game well and you're fighting well. And I thought for a game like that, it should have been a loss. They found a way to win it. There is something about that to be said. It's a good football team. So I'm, I'm going to put Oklahoma State there at number 10, but they haven't impressed me enough to really move up from that. Yeah, love that. Uh, I think Oklahoma State really proved it out in the closing minutes of that game. Yeah. Where they were able to put it away. Still won by double digits, so proud of them for that. Uh, I have them a little bit higher in mind. At number 10, I have UCLA. Uh, and I know you have them up here in just a second. Uh, UCLA, look, Chip Kelly has done an incredible job with this team. This is the best That's UCLA tough. team he's had. Uh, they, the, the way they kind of take care of business, beating Utah, a good defensive team, um, just kind of like a drum, which is really impressive there. Uh, beat them by double digits as well, two possessions. Uh, they seem to be really the second best team in the Pac-12 right now. I'm they circling do. CLA, USC, because USC, while they're very, very offensively firepowered, yeah. uh, and they have the most interceptions, so, I mean, that's a solid defense as well. They looked a little bit iffy. Uh, in the first two quarters yesterday. So I still have USC really high, but I think UCLA and, and USC is going to be an incredible game. So well, and I think, you UCLA. know, we said this at the start of the year. Um, I said there's four teams capable of winning the Pac-12. I said UCLA, USC, Utah, and Oregon. And if you look at the Pac-12 right now, those feel like the four teams that are all capable in it. I mean, it to me, it's any man's game still. We're halfway through the year. Anybody can win that. Um, and I, I mean, I'm looking at UCLA and I'm like, yeah, guys, like you can't tell me USC is definitively better than them. Like Zach Charbonnet is an amazing quarterback. And what Chip Kelly again has done with that team is really impressive. My number nine team is Ole Miss. Um, I know they struggled for a half against Vanderbilt. I don't care about struggling for a half. Like, that's fine. Ole Miss destroyed them in the second half. Um, look, Jackson Dart, he is all of a sudden emerging, I think, is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. 
And I think that has a lot to do with the way Lane Kiffin has just pieced together this team. Um, the defense, what you saw yesterday, too, you could make an argument, okay, first half defense against Vanderbilt looked awful, but second half looked amazing. And so part of what I've seen from Ole Miss is when they struggle in a first half like they did against Kentucky, look at what they do in the second half. Those adjustments tell you the story. It's a good team. So Rebels at nine. Yeah, I also have the Ole Miss Rebels at number nine. Uh, I just think, you know, the combination of the the offense and the way that they've kind of developed over this year. Granted, early on with Vandy, Vanderbilt has a decent offense as well. They put up 57 points on Miami. Uh, but Ole Miss is coming into their own. Right now, between the two Mississippi schools, both are looking very impressive. Ole Miss has the better resume. Ole Miss is un- also undefeated. Almost could probably beat Alabama. So it's a possibility. Yeah, I think they're definitely capable of doing that um, for, for sure. Um, did you say Vandy put up 50 something on 57 against Hawaii, the first game of the season? Oh, Hawaii. Okay. For, they put up, okay. So they beat Hawaii 63 to 10. Okay. Um, 63. Yeah. No, they put up 25 on Wake Forest, 38 against Northern Illinois. So they can definitely score some points. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think Ole Miss definitely is capable of, you know, if everything goes right, knocking off Alabama, they feel like more of an altogether better team than what we saw last year. And now that Jackson Dart's playing a quarterback, it's almost like the Matt Corral absent absence isn't even there. Uh, my number eight is UCLA for everything we talked about earlier. Um, I, I just think the world of what Chip Kelly's done. And I know Lincoln Riley's probably going to win coach of the year just because of the difference from last year to this year. But what I think people need to understand is UCLA had completely fallen apart as a program before Chip Kelly came there. They, they've, and they've never really been a top 10, top five program, but before he got there, they had really become one of the laughing stocks of the PAC 12. And now here they are really, I think capable of winning the PAC 12. I think they're in the playoff hunt, though, not capable of winning it. And so anyways, he, he's my coach of the year candidate right now. Um, so I've got him at number eight. Yeah, UCLA right now is looking like Oregon circa 2010. And Starting to, yeah. That, that's kind of what Chip Kelly builds out, and he does a great job in the Pac-12. So excited for what they're going to do this year and years ahead. Uh, at number uh, eight, I have Tennessee. And uh, that's just because I think more of Oklahoma State than you do. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee, look, with Hendon Hooker, uh, definitely someone who is putting their name on a ballot for a Heisman potential. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Tennessee could beat both Alabama and Georgia this year, which is wild. They play both of them uh, being in the East and the cross-divisional rival. Tennessee looks incredible. Uh, they are beating teams like a drum. They beat uh, LSU, the highest loss they've had in Baton Rouge. Uh, it's Chip Kelly's worst loss ever as a head coach. Uh, you mean Brian so, Kelly? Brian Kelly, the other yeah. Kelly. Yeah, Brian <laughs> Kelly's Brian Kelly's uh, worst loss ever as a head coach. Yeah. So, look, Tennessee is incredible. Um, understand why you have him right above where I have him at. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them? Well, I mean, my thought is watching that game, I didn't come away thinking LSU isn't the 25th best team in the country. I know they fell from the rankings. 
but I really just came away thinking, no, this is how good Tennessee is. And I'm going to bring up something a little bit later in the podcast uh, that Vegas put up, put out. And it's proof that this isn't just they're on a winning streak or that they're just beating bad teams. No, it's proof that what is in Tennessee is substantial. And it's proof, too, that they're a playoff contender. So I'm going to bring that up a little bit later in the podcast. But, yeah, I mean, everything you just said is right. Hinden Hooker's a Heisman candidate. They look amazing. Yep. So uh, next for me at number seven is Oklahoma State. So uh, Mike Gundy and his program beat Texas Tech 41 to 31. Uh, Just the way that uh, Spencer Sanders is playing and the the offense that they put together along with the decent defense in the Big 12. I think right now they're in the driver's seat to win that or win that uh, conference. Yeah. And also potentially make it in as a sneak if they can win out. Yeah, I mean, win- winning out is going to be tough. And, you know, they have to get through Texas, too. Texas, I mean, Texas win yours is just a different team. Completely and different. I think, I think, too, imagine if Texas had beaten Texas Tech. Like, all right, if Texas had beaten Texas Tech, where would you have them right now in your top 10? I don't know, because I. If they had beaten them, so it's 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 an interesting there. Would I have Texas in my top ten? I wouldn't yet. You wouldn't? Okay. I would still have them out of my top ten because they would be five and one with a one point with a very close. Yep. Yeah, that would be Uh, it. But Quentin Uris, if if he had been able to come back from that injury the following week and then beaten them, or heck, I mean, I guess even if they had beaten Texas Tech with the absence of him, uh. They should be they should be considered. Yeah. Well that's that's my point is if Quinn Ewers is in that game, I don't think Texas loses to Texas Tech. I think they win that game. Oh yeah. They I think they beat Alabama game. if he hadn't gotten that dirty yeah. play that knocked him out of the game. No, I, probably right there, hundred percent. So I mean I, I like Oklahoma State as well, but I, I think that game between them and Texas later on in the year. Um, and then if they play for the Big 12 championship, you know, it's going to be amazing. But, you know, the other thing that I think we've established at this point is I don't think anybody one through six is going to change for you, maybe the order, but it's pretty evident that you and I are going to have the same teams on the top 10 just arranged a little bit differently. And so I think what we're starting to see is, you know, we're starting to see some separation in the sport. And to me, I think there's kind of different tiers. Like, I think there was one through four. I think there's five through seven. And then I think there's eight through really probably about 12. Um, So my number six team in the country is USC. Uh, You know, they did struggle a little bit with Washington State. I think Washington State's actually a really good football team. And, you know, I'm starting to look at the Pac-12 and I'm like, the Pac-12 has got some legit teams this year. This is not your Pac-12 conference from three, four years ago. The Pac-12 has got some players right now. I mean, may, maybe they look back at this and they go, hey, let's let's not do this whole Big Ten thing if we can keep this up. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I thought USC, you know, they struggled a little bit. They found some life in the second half. And, you know, the defense past couple of weeks now is starting to figure things out too. If this team adds a defense to go along with Caleb Williams and that amazing offense, uh, USC is a playoff, not just – potential playoff team but i think a contender for the championship so yeah i mean they they are looking really really good every bit deserving of being in that top six right now yep 
I've got uh like you were saying, the top six different different order, same teams. Number six for me is Clemson. Uh that's just because I think USC's a more talented team. Yeah. Uh overall. But look, Clemson yesterday, they put the hammer to Boston College in the second half. First half was a little bit slow. Uh they were tied three all going into the, the remainder of the second quarter, and then were able to go up 10-3 before half and just blew the doors off in the second half. Uh, Clemson knows how to finish games, which is better than I can say about my own Tiger team. Uh, and Clemson with, under uh, Uyunglele is looking very good. Uh, he had three touchdowns, an interception, 220 yards on the day. So Clemson is definitely in the driver's seat to win the ACC and potentially sneak in as a playoff bid. Uh, yeah, no, I've got Clemson up here as well, and I'm working on pulling up one stat if my computer will uh, work with me here. Um, my concern about Clemson, though, and again, I've got them in my – I've got them ranked fifth. I have them higher than Ben. The problem is, is they start off games so freaking slow, and I think it's okay now but they've got to figure that out. They rank 57th in the country in first half points at 14. That's their average. Now, just to give you a comparison, who they are tied with for that is Nebraska. Okay. So like, again, they're figuring it out in the second half. That's fine. They look great in the second half against Boston college, but Boston college has been a bad team all year. I mean, they've really performed way under what you and I thought Boston college could be at the start of the year. And so, I mean, for Clemson to go into that game and it's 10 to three at half and they're just sputtering and sputtering and sputtering. It's like, you know, I like what DJ Yui has done for the first part of this year, but why is it taking them so long? And if they get into the playoff, right. If they play a team like Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, dude, or USC, those teams can score so freaking fast. Like Alabama could be out of the game by midway through the second quarter. Or I'm sorry, Clemson could be because it just takes them so long to figure it out. And I, I hate seeing that, but uh, I mean, it, they're a good team. They're winning games. You can't deny it. But that to me is just one major flaw that I see with them. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, I was a little astounded that they didn't go up and start scoring faster on Boston College. When they were tied 3-all in the second quarter, I was like, man, Clemson kind of sucks. Yeah. And they finished well. And I don't need to see it every week, but I need to see one game where it's like, you know, start of the second quarter and Clemson's up like 35-nothing. Like, I, I just need to see, like, do you have the capacity to score in chunks like that, and they just haven't proven that yet. And the thing that's crazy is, you know, Dabo draws up the first two drives. So, like, that's your scripted plays. That well, Yeah. That's the only thing that Auburn scores on is scripted plays. So <laughs> you've got to be able to, like, you know, execute the stuff you've practiced all week and 100%. then figure it out after the fact. Yeah. But they can't. 100%. And that's weird. It, it is well, it is weird, and I think, you know, to put it in perspective, you watch Ole Miss, they score almost like every first drive of the game. Same mm-hmm. with UCLA, same with Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan. Like, first drive of the game, that's money for them. Clemson, I mean, you're just praying you don't go down 14 nothing early or something crazy doesn't happen because it's it's going to take you a while to get back into it, and there, it's going to be a stressful game. Yep. Who's at number five, Ben? 
Number five is USC. So uh, the Trojans, look, they had a little bit of a fight yesterday. Uh, they ended up beating the tails off of, who was it that they played? Washington, Washington State. State. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they did trail uh, 14 to 10 at one point uh, and then just put, put on a show in the second half. Uh, USC is very talented, uh, offensively, defensively, one of the best defenses in the Pac-12 as far as takeaways go, which matters. Uh, overall, the the experiment that is USC uh, so far is being successful. So I think they should yeah. make it into the Final Four by the end of the year. Got them right on the outside looking in just because the top four teams have been so good. Yeah, no, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, USC has been great at this point. They look like a playoff team. Uh, my number four is Michigan. Um, and I know a lot of people want to lower them after the scare against Indiana yesterday. I'm not going to. That that game was perfectly set up for Michigan to lose. Uh, like literally. And I'm, I keep thinking like if McCarthy has that two or three interception game, which young kid he's capable of having. And yesterday should have been that. And he hung in there, hung, you know, they they stayed in it. And then they really just took it away in the fourth quarter and ended up winning that game handily. But, I mean, the first half of that game bet, I, I don't know you were watching it too. Like, Indiana was pushing them around. They were getting the 50-50 balls. Like, that should have been a Michigan loss. And for them to come away and win it 31-10, to 10, you know, it just proves that they have so many different ways that can beat you. They've got the home run hit, like they can knock you out, you know, like within five minutes of a game, they can hang tight and play you all the way through four quarters. Like, I don't know that there is a team that's capable of just beating you so many different ways like Michigan is. And so, you know, I continue to be impressed with them. That's why I've got them uh, here at four. Yeah. And that was a tough road win too. Yeah. So tough road win. You're, one of your coaches has a seizure on the sideline and has to get carted off the field and go to the hospital. Uh, freak stuff happening. Two blocked field goals in the first half. Yeah. Back to back. Just a wild game. But Michigan got it together after the half. They made the adjustments needed. They beat the tails off of uh, Indiana in the second half, 21 nothing. So mm-hmm. definitely still in the top four. And for me, they're ranked above my number four team, who was Georgia. So Okay, Kemp's... so not moving them after crushing Auburn. No, and here's why. Because they looked like trash in the first half. So the first, the first four drives of both teams were punts. Georgia got 20 yards in their first two drives. Now, you were just saying a second ago, those are scripted drives. They should be able to score automatically, right? Yeah. Well, not against an Auburn defense, apparently. The only reason that they got on the board is because the genius that is Brian Harson decided to do a fake punt on our own 35 on a fourth and three and gave Georgia the ball with 15 yards to get into the red zone. Amazing. So, and that was in the second quarter. Back and forth, Georgia looked terrible. They only put together one true drive in the first half. And yeah. could sh- should have been up if it wasn't for stupid plays. Uh, seven nothing on an Auburn team that's not very good. Auburn defense is great. Don't not take anything away from them, but not a good team altogether. Yeah. 
No, so, I mean, I, I have my reserves about George as well. I, I do have him at number three. Um, I mean, honestly, I think Georgia and Michigan are very, very close. Um, but, you know, the one thing about Georgia is Stetson Bennett. Ben, this is going to blow your mind. He has not thrown a touchdown pass since South Carolina. Well, it's because he's running for him. He had like a 70-something yard run yesterday. Well, he's had one touchdown. He had one rushing touchdown against Auburn. He had one against Kent State. That's it. Those are his two touchdowns since playing South Carolina. So, I mean, the passing game for Georgia, I don't know what it is, but from the first three games to the last three games, it's been a completely one, complete 180 from what it was. And I am concerned that we're seeing regression from a senior quarterback like that. Like, that is not great. But Georgia can run the ball. They have a great defense. They get after the quarterback. Like, it just even though the passing game isn't ideal, they're going to win a lot of games no matter what. And I think you start looking at that SEC East. I mean, if you don't want Georgia back in the playoff, I think Tennessee is your best bet. Otherwise, they're going to be back there because it's still a good team. Yep, completely agree with that. Uh, My number three team is Michigan. So, uh, like you said, growing pains for a young quarterback, but – when they made the adjustments after the craziness that was the first half on the road, they were able to take care of business. They're definitely a contender for the Big Ten. I can't wait for that Michigan-Ohio State game. Yeah. Well, speaking of Ohio State, they're my number two. And, you know, I mentioned first half points, Clemson being in 57th, uh, tied with Nebraska. Well, you want to know who's number one? Ohio State is. They're averaging about 28 points in the first half. And, you know, what really impressed me yesterday is they were a 28-point favorite at Michigan State on the road. And I bet Michigan State because I'm thinking, look, it's a coach a lot of people like. They are desperate for a win. He's trying to save face because they've looked awful since he got his contract extension. And, you know, this team right now, they lose this game. Chances of them making a ball are slim. And I've got 28 points. Well, Ohio State went in there and won at 49 to 20. So they covered the 28 points. Like, it's just, that is really impressive. They had 35 points in the first half against what's a pretty decent defense. Like, you just cannot doubt right now the way C.J. Stroud is playing, the way Ryan Day has a team coach. And, you know, the defense, it seems like each week we're starting to see improvements on the defensive side. So that's a big bonus, too, because last year this defense was abysmal. Now they're starting to really look uh, capable. Ben, I think they're right there in the hunt. It does not feel like there is a big gap between them and number one. They're right there. Yep, I I completely agree with that, and that's why my number two team is the University of Alabama. Woo, doggy! So, look, uh, I know that Jalen Milrow is your backup quarterback but you are a completely different team without Bryce Young at the helm. Oh, and yeah. Alabama better keep him healthy. Alabama plays Tennessee this coming week. And watch out. At Tennessee, by the way. Yeah, in Neyland Stadium. Watch out. Tennessee hasn't beaten Alabama in 16 years. Ooh. That's probably probably on the line. There's a good chance Tennessee beats Alabama this coming weekend. Uh. Alabama did not look great against Texas A&M. They didn't look great against Texas. 
I don't know what it is about Texas teams. They've gotten through them at this point. But Tennessee looks really good. And uh, Alabama does not. They don't look really good right now. So Nick Saban has a lot cut out for him. He's the greatest of all time when it comes to a coach. Uh, The way that that game ended, I don't think everyone realizes how close Alabama was to losing to Texas A&M for the second year in a row, which was ridiculous. Texas A&M is a bad team. I said it. I think we all know it. Yeah. Texas A&M is a bad team. And they almost beat Alabama yesterday. So got to drop Alabama one for that. Well, they're they're a bad team, but they're a talented team. And again, oh, yeah. you, can, you can outplay how you should. Like you can play above your heads when you have that much talent. But when you have two number one recruiting classes in a row. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is they just don't have the cohesiveness or the um, the togetherness to really win on a consistent basis. They get out coached. Um, they they do. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, my number one team is Alabama. Yes, I think Bryce Young being out is a really really big deal. Um, they need him to come back pronto. Uh, they're going to go to Tennessee um, this weekend. Uh, you know, if Bryce Young is there. I think it's a win for Alabama. If he is out again, I do think it's a little bit of a toss-up. But I'll say this. Um, you know, Josh Hapel is still a little bit young for this. This is only his second, third year, I think, at Tennessee. And, I mean, look how long it took Kirby Smart to finally overcome that. You know, mm-hmm. the only other coaches that have done that are Steve Spurrier, um, Gus Malzahn, and Jimbo Fisher, you know. All of those guys have appearances in national championship games. <laughs> All of them do. And so, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Tennessee can do it. But I think it's a little early in Josh Waple's career to be pulling off something that big. So, you know, I still think the GOAT is the GOAT. Um, I think Alabama just went into a hornet's nest with Texas A&M. A&M's played them close a number of years. By the way, A&M beat them um, back when they had Johnny Manziel. And so, I mean, it, it, for whatever reason, it's just one of those games where it's like A&M just always gives Alabama trouble, it seems. Um, so I, I was fine with it being a little bit of a close game, but you're right. They need Bryce Young more than ever. Yep. And so my number one team being Ohio State, the reason being is they just continue to get better. Uh, they get better on the offense. They get better on the defense. They get better all around. C.J. Stroud against a... Michigan State team, who granted is two and four and not very good, but they have their coach locked in for 10 years, uh, had six touchdowns and 361 yards. <laughs> so for Ohio State, just to continue to beat the pants off of teams, uh, they'll destroy Iowa this next week. They'll destroy Penn State. And it won't be until they get to Michigan that they really have any type of struggle. Uh, Ohio State right now is in the driver's seat and they continue to get better. If they continue to do that and stay healthy, then they will be a contender for the national championship for sure. Yeah, no, I I think they're right there in that. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so let's uh, move on to get this off of here. Let's go on to trending up and trending down. I'm going to start us off. My trending up is James Madison. Um, James Madison, I'm telling you, they're undefeated. 
I think people don't understand when you go from FCS to FBS, you're going from 65 scholarships to 85 scholarships. It normally takes even a good FBS program, take Appalachian State. It normally takes a couple of years to really get your feet wet in this. And so they've gone into the Sun Belt and they're just, they're crushing everybody. I mean, they crushed uh, Texas State, Arkansas State, Middle Tennessee State. They did have a close game against Appalachian State, but it was on the road and they still won it. Now this week they're going to go to Georgia Southern. I think it's a little bit different, but I still think um, JMU is going to win that. And if you start looking at their schedule, Ben, like Marshall, Louisville, ODU, Georgia State, Coastal, that's who's left. Like, it seems crazy, but JMU might go 12-0. I mean, <laughs> that seems kind of bizarre, but the way they're playing, I mean, they look good. And um, I, Isaac L. White, I think it is, defensive end, he had a couple sacks against uh, Arkansas State. He's had, um, I think, three or four sacks on the year. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible. And so this JMU team, they've got players on defense. They've got players on offense. They look good to me. It's wild. It's yeah. wild for them. And they were one of the ones that you previewed at the beginning of the year. Uh, what was your prediction for their, their overall season, if you remember? I thought they'd be about a four to five win team. <laughs> yeah, they've already hit the five wins. Wild. So way better than what I anticipated, yeah. Yeah, for their first year in FPS, that's that's nuts. Yeah, uh, I may have that prediction somewhere on my iPad. You keep going. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, my trending up is Tennessee. Uh, look, after watching Auburn play this LSU team, I thought Tennessee was going to be the pants off of them. But the fact that they did it in the way that they did in Baton Rouge, in Tiger Stadium, granted day game is way different than a night game, but they had the fans leaving that game by halftime. Uh, they were beating LSU, what is it, 23 to 7 by half, and they beat them 40 to 13. The worst loss in Baton Rouge by an LSU team in quite some time. The worst loss that Brian Kelly has ever had as a head coach. That is an incredible Tennessee team that I cannot wait to watch them beat Alabama this week. Yeah. Well, my next training up is also Tennessee. And, you know, normally we kind of do boggle style and I won't duplicate something you said, but the stat that I want to bring up or not really a stat, but there's a data point I want to bring up and I find it fascinating. Alabama is going to play at Tennessee this weekend. Ben, I don't know if you've looked at the line, but it's only Alabama minus seven. Now to put that in comparison, if you watch Alabama, the rest of the year, they're going to be favored against anybody by 17 points. That mm -hmm. has been historically the average um, Vegas margin for Nick Saban against SEC and opponents is it's normally right at minus 17. This goes back to years where they played um, really talented Ole Miss teams and really talented LSU teams. Like there's been very few instances where that number's been under 10. And so for this number to be minus seven, I think what it tells you is, is Vegas is like, look, guys, Tennessee is a legit and we think this is going to be a close game. And like, I'll probably stay away from that game. But if you told me I'm, that you wanted to put money on Tennessee, I wouldn't talk you out of it because they look like a really, really good football team. What they did at LSU is impressive. Now, I do think this week they're coming off a big win. They just crushed LSU. I think it's going to be a difficult week of practice. Remember, we used to watch Georgia and Alabama play on a consistent basis. 
And it was always so funny. Like Georgia would come out of the tunnel and like, they'd be so pumped up and like, they'd be fighting, you know, or whatever. And like, they'd always start like a pregame fight with Alabama or whatever. And then they'd get blown out like 42, 10. Right. Like that used to be like a consistent thing. And now Georgia like goes into that game and it's like, you know, they're calm, like they're confident, like they don't need to do all that stuff. Like, I think if you watch Tennessee's demeanor this weekend, they're going to approach this the same way Georgia used to approach it, which is just like, yeah, we're going to hit them in the mouth. And then the game is going to start and be like, oh, like, no, Alabama's a little bit different. But again, Vegas is telling you we like what we're seeing from Tennessee. And if you watch the games, they look like a great team. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, my trending down, the first one is Utah. And for that, uh, they are no longer in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. They now have two losses on the year, one to a Florida team where it was kind of like a toss-up loss, and that's fine. But then to lose to UCLA by uh, two possessions, I think, tells something right there. Uh, So Utah's got to figure it out. Right now, trending down, they have to have a lot of special things happen for them to even have a chance at the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, My trending down, I have Iowa. Um, How are you not scoring a touchdown against Illinois? (laughs) <laughs> like I, I, I just, I, I don't get Iowa right now. I mean, I, I didn't think they'd have much of a passing game, but I thought they'd at least be, you know, capable. Um, but I mean, they've got games now, South Dakota state seven to three lost to Iowa state 10 to seven. They haven't scored more than 27 points in a game yet. They only scored 14 against Michigan. Like what in the crap is going on with this offense? And I get Kirk Ferentz wins ugly. That's fine. But this is just terrible. So, uh, like, I mean, Iowa to me, they it feels like both Iowa and Wisconsin are out of the Big Ten West race. And if you had told me halfway through the year both of those teams would be out of it, I'd tell you you're crazy. But at the same time, like, look who's driving it. Like, this thing's going to be Minnesota and Illinois running the tables and Purdue maybe has an outside shot. It's just wild. <laughs> it is. Uh so my next trending up is Mississippi State. And uh yeah. they were right all now, in my top ten. They were so close. <laughs> they look good, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh what is it? What let's see, uh Will Rogers now has some he broke some record yesterday. Maybe the most passing yards in a, in a career or something like that. What was it? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So Maybe most receptions or most passes, yeah. whatever it is, the the team looks amazing. Uh, the the pirate that is their head coach, Mister Hating on Candy Corn, never expected him to put together the type of team that he has. And granted, they beat the pants off Arkansas, who lost their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that definitely hurt. But to beat Arkansas forty to seventeen after Arkansas has played so well. Uh, Mississippi State looks real good, man. Yeah. So I'd say when it comes to ranking the the SEC West teams, it's probably Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. They're in the top three. Yeah, I I mean, I I am cautious with Mississippi State. Like, again, I almost had them on my top ten, so I don't think they're bad. But if you look at their schedule, they have a two-position loss to LSU – the only real impressive win so far is against Texas A&M. The other wins, Memphis, Arizona, Bowling Green, and Arkansas. 
Well, at this point, Ben, I'm not sure that any of the rest of those teams are going to make the playoff or going to make the a bowl game. So if you look at the teams that are probably going to be in a bowl game, Texas A&M and LSU, they're one and one against those. Then you look at the rest of their schedule. They're going to play Kentucky, Alabama, both on the road, both the next two weeks. They're going to get Georgia at home. I do think, by the way, if Georgia's still playing like this and Mississippi State's still playing like this by the time we get to November 12th, Mississippi State could win that game. But then they're going to end at Ole Miss. Um, And so I think they're staring at probably at least three, possibly four losses left. That gets them to seven and five. That's about where they've been. Um, So I like them, but I'm I'm not quite a buyer yet with Mississippi State. Uh, My next trending down is Kentucky, and I'm going to put this um, kind of with an asterisk next to it. It's Kentucky minus Will Levis. Like, Kentucky should have crushed South Carolina. And I watched that game and I'm like, well, they probably would have if they had Will Levis. And that's great. But it's also, I think, presenting a problem that Kentucky's completely Will Levis dependent. And, you know, this is the thing about a program like a Kentucky. Like when everything goes right, they can win games. They can be really competitive, probably a top 10 team of the country. But one thing falls apart and you can say quarterback's pretty major thing, and I'm with you, but one thing falls apart, and they go from potential top 10 team to losing to what I think is probably one of the worst, one of the four worst teams in the SEC. That's a pretty major gap, I think, for a team. So I wasn't too thrilled with that. I do think we're going to get to the end of the year. Kentucky's still going to be like an eight, nine win team somewhere in that neighborhood, um, but they did not look good at all yesterday. Yeah, I also had Kentucky on my list. Uh, so bump on them before I get to my next granted will Levis and a you know you losing your starting quarterback what Mark Stoops has done with this team has been incredible yeah uh, not taking anything away from them teams like Alabama and Michigan can go to their second string quarterback and granted Michigan a little bit of a different flavor there but that's fine it's still their their newer guy under McCarthy and still win games with Kentucky, they looked like garbage against a mediocre, at best, South Carolina team. So uh, definitely got to have them trending down. My next trending down was Washington. Michael Penix Jr. had 311 yards and an interception against a coachless Arizona State team who, at the time, was 1-4. and four. And they just got torched. Uh Beat 45 to 38. Thought Washington was better than that. That's a pretty abysmal loss. So Washington trending down. Yeah. Uh, My last trending down is Arkansas. Um, It amazes me with Arkansas. The first three games of the season, or really the first two, you know, they beat Cincinnati. They beat South Carolina. Then they struggled with Missouri State. And both you and I were like, ah, it's a little odd. And then ever since then, they lost to Texas A&M. They lost to Alabama. They just got crushed by Mississippi State. Granted, those are three good teams. But, I mean, they're going to play BYU, Auburn, um, LSU, Ole Miss. And they've got a game at Missouri at the end of the year. Uh, They're also going to play Liberty. I mean, that's at home. But, Ben, they're three and three. If they drop four games, none of which I think are absolute guarantees, if they drop four games, they're not a bowl team. So this looks like – you know, a few weeks ago, we were thinking maybe K.J. Jefferson's in the Heisman running. And now we look at it like maybe not a bowl team. This has been such a drastic drop, almost similar to Oklahoma. 
Um, but I think the coach is more competent. So this team has to be on my trending down. Yeah, I, I have Arkansas in mine too. I actually had five of mine trending down, so I'll go over the last one real quick. Uh, Arkansas was on there as well as BYU after losing to Notre Dame in yeah. Las Vegas. Uh, both teams looked incredible. We had that game and that matchup circled. Now that it's coming up here pretty sh- pretty shortly uh, next week, doesn't really care. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of sad that that could have been such a great matchup, and now it's going to be uh, yeah. By the way, BYU's favorite against Arkansas, which that just tells you something right there. Well, BYU was ranked until they lost to Notre Dame. Um, so, <laughs> um, all right, let's move over to if we had a mailbag. Um, here's my first question. Should USC fans be worried about Lincoln Riley taking an NFL job? I don't think so. Uh, reason being, he's very good at recruiting and the difference between coaching in college and coaching in the pros is the, the only reason Lincoln Riley is successful right now is because he's able to get good puzzle pieces and plug them in to play. If you get a really crappy team and you have no say whatsoever in the personnel of which team you have, it takes a lot more work for you to be able to bring those pieces together. Now, granted the way that he's built USC could translate over well to a pro team but i think he he has some things to prove and finish within college before he takes a leap like that yeah well listen i i think honestly and i've been thinking more about this like if you ask which job would you prefer to have an nfl or a college job i'd 100 percent prefer a college job because in the nfl you don't get to pick your personnel college you get to really manage your recruiting Second thing is in the NFL, you are completely dependent on do you have a top 10 quarterback? And I mean, you know, if you look right now in the NFL, like we think Nathaniel Hackett's a bum, but Russell Wilson's really hasn't been playing well. Like, I mean, like I could just kind of go down the list of coaches that might actually be okay, but they don't have a good quarterback. Like look at, um, you know, the head coach of the Panthers, Matt Rule. Like, I actually think Matt Rule is a good head coach, right? But Matt Rule has had Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and now Baker Mayfield. And he had Cam Newton for, you know, a second, right? Well, how many games can you real- realistically win in the NFL when you've had twice as many quarterbacks as the years you've actually been at that team? You mm-hmm. know, like, and again, when he was in college, like, great at Temple, great at Baylor, like probably could have had, you know, the Texas job when it opened or the Oklahoma job, like USC wanted him at one point, like, you know, he was coveted and now he's looked at as like this awful bomb, like whatever. And so anyways, I I just, I look at Lincoln Riley and I'm like, okay, if you go to the NFL, like that's fine, but you're not going to have the success unless you just are gifted like a Justin Herbert or somebody really, really talented. And even then, the second you struggle, they're kicking you out, man. At USC, you can kind of run the tables. You can control the local media. You can control, you know, your recruiting situation. Um, So I, I don't think USC really has anything to worry about. But even if he lost, Ben, like when – like if a coach is going to use you, like that's fine. That's proof that they were successful where you are. Like Oklahoma fans were all pissy that he left Oklahoma. I'm like, don't be pissy. Like 
leverage yourselves as like, hey, you can come here. And if you want to leverage us to a better job, like we'll set you up for that. Like, look what look what we just helped Lincoln Riley get. Instead, you know, it just looks completely different. So I, and I look at think... Oklahoma without him. That's oh, kind of yeah. wild, too. No, it is. Um, all right. Stanford clearly isn't going to a ball. Is it time to fire David Shaw? They are one and four. They just lost again, this time to Oregon State, completely blew a lead late in the game if you stayed up and watched uh, Pac-12 after dark. Um, I like David Shaw, but Ben Stanford was a terrible program. Then Jim Harbaugh built them up. David Shaw inherited a really, really good program. It's not been the same the past three years. They just can't seem to get any momentum. Um I think it's getting close to time to make that cut. Yeah, it depends on what does Stanford want to be, you know? Because right now, good education, terrible football team. Yeah. Do you want to have both? Well, then you got to get rid of the coach you have right now because he's not he's not going to be able to take the standards that you have and build out a decent type of you know winning program uh, within that those confines so you got to find someone who's who's actually good at it and so if i were them i'd be looking at someone who works in a you know decent educational school that has really high standards and is able to recruit well because otherwise you're not going to be able to have success at stanford no i would agree with that um all right last one can we agree to never have high expectations for Miami again? <laughs> and I'm going to instantly answer yes. What? And I called this bit at the start of the season. Like everybody yep. was predicting Miami to win the ACC Coastal. And I'm like, guys, y'all did this with UNC a year ago. Every year, Miami has these ridiculous expectations. And I'm looking at Mario Cristobal. I'm like, okay, he's got a 500 record as a coach. He's 500. He's not great. Right. I know they brought in like what's supposed to be this amazing staff. But if you look at the coaches they brought in, all of their previous places of employment don't seem to have changed. Like Josh Gaddis, Michigan is still as good as they were, maybe even better. Like I I just I look at Miami and I'm like, I I don't know. Like to me, they don't look like a very good football team. I watched UNC beat them yesterday. I predicted UNC would win the Coastal. The more I watch the Coastal Division, the more confident I feel that that's probably going to come to fruition. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just we keep thinking Miami early 2000s, and I don't think they're ever going to get back to that. Like, I think it's over. Look, I was high on Miami at the beginning of the year. I know you hated the Cristobal hire. Uh, The fact – so they're – who was their – quarterback van dyke tyler van dyke is a great quarterback in a really really bad like the cusa what are you talking about what so (laughs) look (laughs) the next three games they have uh are against virginia tech a two-win team just like miami i don't know who wins that game uh duke who has double the wins of miami at this point and then UVA, cool. another two-win team. Miami could very well lose the next three games. Well, I, I would say this. 
if Miami doesn't win the next three games, all three of them, it's a problem. It is to me a Brent Venables scaled problem. Like <laughs> that that's how big it is. They've got to win these next three games. Um yeah, I, I just I, I continue to watch them and I'm just always unimpressed. And I mean to your point, Ben, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, like he's looked awful this year. He was all freshman ACC last year. Yeah. And like Justin Herbert is this amazing NFL quarterback. He keeps popping up on red zone. Justin Herbert, we never saw that in college football. Like we saw a good quarterback. We saw a talented quarterback, but just constantly performed under expectations. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cristobal's coaching. So no, I'm, I'm over the Miami thing. Done with it. All right, guys. There is your fourth string podcast. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on an NFL Sunday. Uh, We will be back um, next week. Should be a great week of college football coming up. So we'll see you guys then. Y'all have a great weekend.